Worldwide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog for sports odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Juan and J-Pad here with you on NHL Draft Lottery Day. A day perhaps for celebration for some J-Pad. Mm-hmm. Canuck fans hoping for themselves, but tonight we will find out the fate of Connor Bedard in the NHL. Yeah, and look, uh, the name's been on the radar for better part of a couple of years, and tonight we'll know where he's going to play uh, his NHL hockey, at least to start his career. Nothing says that he has to finish his career wherever he goes, but we won't be thinking about the end of his career. This is all about uh, beginnings for him. So, yeah, uh, lots of anticipation in a number of NHL markets, including Vancouver. 3% chance. Don't like the Canucks odds, but it is a lottery. The ping pong balls will bounce around, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes down just after 5 o'clock, our time tonight. Yeah, we'll get to our final spin of the draft lottery simulator. We uh, did it five times last week. We got even it out, so it goes three and three each. So I'll get the final spin today. Just an update, though. uh, It didn't look good for Vancouver over the five that we've done, but we'll recap that just a a little bit later on here in the podcast. Jonathan LeCaramacchi, the 15th overall of the 2022 draft. For the Vancouver Canucks is now signed. He is with the Canucks and he met uh, with the media via Zoom today. We'll hear from him in just a moment. But I think one of the things that sort of stood out to me from the interview, J-Pat, was the fact that he's going to stay in Sweden for one more year. Like that was just that's where he's going to be. Doesn't know where he's going to play exactly. But the idea is that he will play in Sweden for one more year. Don't think that came, came as a surprise to you. I know it certainly didn't to me. No, I, look, this is a guy that will turn 19 in July. So he has just come through, you know, first year after the draft as a, an 18-year-old. And it was a tough season. Let's be honest. This is a guy that battled mono. He had a foot injury. There was a concussion in there. The World Juniors didn't go all that well for him. But damn, the playoffs, totally different player. And the player the Canucks drafted. And I have to think that the contract, the timing of the contract, is a nod to his playoff performance. He had 15 points in 15 playoff games. Ultimately, his team didn't get promoted to the Swedish Hockey League, but he got the experience of playing in a game seven. And look, I don't care if it's the SHL, let's see, Al Svenskin. It's this is professional hockey, a game seven. All of those experiences are terrific for a young guy, you know, to have on his resume. And he performed. And again, 15 points in 15 playoff games. So I think this is the Canucks organization basically acknowledging like yeah the first part the regular season didn't go that well but we liked what we saw and we want to get your name on the dotted line and so sort of came out of the blue on saturday wasn't expecting my saturday to-do list to uh you know be looking at jonathan lakaramecki uh, statistics and his season as a whole but look we know that this guy was drafted in the middle of the first round for his offensive instincts and his big-time shot. I mean, those are his calling cards, but there is lots of his game that he has to round out still and and is going to have to get stronger and faster and all those types of things to keep up. Yeah, it sounds like the Vancouver Canucks are going to find a place for him to play in the SHL, so that'll be a jump up from this past season, get him an opportunity to play against the best competition possible so that when he arrives here in North America, he's going to hit the ground running. All right. You mentioned the playoffs there and exactly. That's where everybody's circling right now going, Hey, this looks like the player that the Canucks uh, hopefully drafted. Here's LeCaramacchi on what rent right that is in the playoffs. I think to just go out and play. Don't think so much. I think I was thinking too much in the beginning of the season and the playoffs just go with the flow and just play. Love the honesty there from LeCaramacchi. Also, one of the things I noticed in the Zoom, and don't get me wrong, I haven't seen this player that many times, 
But just judging by his frame and the zoom, like it looks like he's put on a bit of size as well. And maybe that's helped him sort of grow as a player through these pro leagues or his first year of pro at least. No, you know what they say about camera putting on 10 pounds, right? Yeah, so, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah it, impossible to gauge on a on a Zoom call like that. Uh, looked like he was set up in his attic or something back home in, mm-hmm. in Sweden. But yeah, look, I mean, he lets his action speak for himself. Obviously, English a second language. And so, you know, we didn't get a ton of insight from him. I mean, he tried to answer the questions the best that he could. But I do think that there was a little bit of a language barrier there. He was over here for summer development camp, uh, said he was looking forward to coming back and... Uh, but yeah, I think at this stage of his career, he's sort of intent on playing another year over in Sweden. I think the Canucks probably feel that's the best thing for him. They've got Michael Samuelson as part of their player development group now, uh, has done some work with Lech Aramaki already and will continue to. And I think this is important too. When I talk about, you know, being a little surprised at the timing, like the contract, like why now as opposed to a month from now or three months from now, yeah. part of it was a nod to his playoff performance. But I think the other thing too is, This now gives the Vancouver Canucks far more control on where he'll play next season, but also he's on the payroll. Like he's one of the guys now. And as such, you know, they can really have a hand in his offseason development, his summer program, his workouts, you know, the things they want him to work on. He's just like any other player that's under contract now. And so, not that he wouldn't have, if he had just been a draft pick and a prospect. You know, I still think he would have had contact with the Canucks and they would have leaned on him. But but now that like he is signed, it's go time. Like he is collecting paychecks with the Vancouver Canucks, at least in the form of signing bonus. And before long, uh, he'll be collecting paychecks because he's going to be player for the Vancouver Canucks. But I just think that all of this kind of comes together so that they really can have a handle in helping him have a really big offseason to be ready to go next fall. Yeah, and he talked about working with uh, Michael Samuelson, who you just referenced there. Uh, here's LeCaramacki. I have actually worked with him uh, this season, so he helped me a lot, and I like it very much. Anything in particular that he helped you with? Yeah, get stronger on the puck and win puck battles against the boards and stuff. Oh, yeah. Rick talking like oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talkin took that one to the washroom. Holy. Little cameo from our buddy Ben Kuzma there as well. But yeah, no, as soon as I heard that, that's exactly what I thought. Like, Rick talking is going to love that. But also, too, you know, like, as we've seen through these playoffs, like, it's a, just a different game, like between the regular season and the, and the postseason. And some of the stuff that Rick Tockett, we joke about him preaching, like he, he ain't wrong. Like he knows exactly what he's talking about. And, you know, you could, we've seen it. Like look at how dominant Toronto's been throughout the regular season and just the way they're just getting manhandled by Florida right now, who some would say is not as skilled a team, but here they are up three buzz on, on supposed to be, you know, a better skilled team. And, and I think it's, that's just due to hard work from Florida. Yeah, that's a great example. I think you can look at the Dallas Stars and yeah. what's happening with Seattle too. Like your best players have to show up night after night after night and they have to be taken out of their comfort zone at times. It's not all just about dangles and, you know, the highlight reels. Like you need guys that are completely invested and the Seattle Kraken clearly are. And the more success they have, it seems just to foster this even more belief in, in what they're doing and the way that they're doing it. So yeah, I mean. Look, it's one thing to have these incredible regular seasons, but it, as you said, it's a different yeah. game in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I mean, that's great. I think at an early age, again, still just 18 years of age for Lecker or Mackey, you know, ingrain that in and instill that in him. Michael Samuelson knew a thing about uh, winning some board battles and having some playoff success yep. in his career. So, uh, you know, I think he's a great teacher for a player like that, and we'll see what he can do with them. 
not so much in the offseason, but I think next year as the season gets going, uh, just to constantly checking in, you know, going over some video with him, getting him to continue to, to dive down or dive deep on, on those areas of his game that he has to bring along. Yeah, one of those areas is his skating. He talked about that as well. Of course, I want to be faster in the first three steps. So I think I have a good good skating, but uh, of course it can be better. I mean, listen, that's always a knock on anybody whose skating doesn't jump off the page, right? But that doesn't mean that it can't improve. Take a look at someone like Bull Horvat. It also means you don't have to be the biggest burner. You just got to be smart with it. Yep. And as he said, those first couple of strides, like, you know, it's the game itself isn't a foot race. You've got to have the speed, but then you have to be able to, to apply it. But if you can have the first couple of strides and a little bit of separation to create some time and space for yourself, then I think that's where your skill takes over and your instincts and, you know, you can make some things happen. So, you know, he doesn't have to worry about the contract. I don't know that he was worrying about the contract, but he's got that in his back pocket now. And now he can look ahead to the big offseason. Kind of interesting to me that he becomes the third, even though the first pick of the Canucks, he's the third member of last year's draft class to sign, which... You know, that tells me that this management group, its first NHL draft, clearly they like what they saw. What I mean, obviously they drafted them for that reason. But then, you know, the seasons that they had, the defenseman Elias Pettersson, he got a contract in Kirill Kudratsev out of the Ontario Hockey League, the other defenseman as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's not always the case that within a year of the draft that three guys out of that class get signed by their team. But that's the way it went here for the Vancouver Canucks. Damian Gardner, Ty Young and Jackson Dorrington, who are the fourth round, fifth round and sixth round picks of that draft. They're probably sitting there going, hey, what about us? Where's our contracts right now? Right. So interesting to see exactly where that happens. But you're right. That's a good draft right there. You got three guys signed already that you believe in. So you know, and if you're a Canuck fan, you know how the draft hasn't really been all that great for the Canucks over the last few years. So that's a good sign right now. But again, still a lot of work to be done with these young players as well. Um, Abbotsford and the Calder Cup playoffs, J-Pat, they put up a fight. Every game was a one goal game. However, Calgary was able to pull it through. They win the series three games to one. Abby had a lead going into the third period in game four in Abbotsford. But two goals by the Wranglers in the third made it a 3-2 victory for Calgary. So they're moving on. But honestly, I think you can look back at that season as a whole for the Abbotsford Canucks and and be happy with uh, what they produced. Yeah, you got to find a way to lock things down. They had a lead going to the third period in games two, three, and four oh, and go. only won the, the third game of the series. So, But they're playing the best team in the league. And so give Calgary credit for being down but not out and having the belief that they could come back I don't know if you saw the video or the highlights on Friday night. I know people out in Abbey were upset, and I think they had a, a legitimate gripe. The the 2-2 goal was preceded by an icing that it looked like it was a foot race. Uh, I, you know, it's a bang-bang call for one of the linesmen, and he called it icing. It kind of looked like Abbotsford had beaten it out and, and, you know, play on at that point in a tight game. Whatever the case, face-off comes back into the Vancouver in the Abbotsford zone. Wranglers able to convert there, tied the game, and then they got the winner a little bit later on. So a couple of things. One is Abbotsford went one for 18 on the power play in the series. One for 18. That's not good enough. No. They scored more shorthanded goals than power play goals in the four games against Calgary. So that's a little bit of an area of concern. Linus Carlson had just one goal in the playoffs. It was a power play goal but they needed a little bit more from their leading goal score. But this is his first taste of North American professional playoff hockey. We talked about the game changing. So, you know, hopefully he will learn. 
The other thing is, Jeremy Colleton had been going with that goaltender rotation and decided to break it on Friday night and went back to Spencer Martin. Now, they didn't lose because of Spencer Martin, but it's a little curious that you leave your season-long MVP on the bench for three of the four games. So, uh, you know, he's the coach. He's got the feel for that hockey club, but he does open himself up to questioning, at the very least, by not continuing with the rotation that had worked for him or uh, going to Arthur Silovs. Because I've said to you before, like in the long run, getting the experience of an elimination game, you know, a rowdy crowd on a Friday night, I think for the organization would benefit more from Silovs having that experience than Spencer Martin. But call it made his call. And again, they didn't lose because of Spencer Martin. And yes, Abbotsford put up a fight in all four games to take the league regular season champs, uh, you know, push them in every game. I think this was a massive year of growth for the organization. Like in my mind, year one out in Abbotsford really was sort of proof of concept and trying to win back some of those fans out in the Fraser Valley that were burned when the Abbotsford Heat were there, the Calgary Flames farm team. Yeah. And so I think that first year you're laying the groundwork, you're basically saying to these people, like, it's different this time. Like, yeah, you know, we asked, you were asked to support a team in the American Hockey League before, but that was the Flames Farm team. These are the Abbotsford Canucks. And I just think when you look at the support, I was out there on Wednesday, sounded like Friday was, you know, even a better, bigger crowd. That's their team now. And it's a team I think that they're buying into and can believe in. And the other thing too is that there are some legitimate prospects. Like this management group at the NHL level came in, identified that the system wasn't good enough, that needed some work. They've turned over the roster down there. They've been able to inject some legitimate prospects to have a guy like Niels Hoaglander play the bulk of the full season in the American Hockey League. You know, he's not going to last in the AHL long. Like, I would think he's probably left the AHL behind now. But there are, like, legitimate players down there, whether it's an Arthur Silovs who got his five games in the NHL. You think of all the defensemen. I did a quick count. Think this is right, but by my count, 16 players saw time in both Vancouver and Abbotsford this year. So, you know, that's pretty good use of your farm system. Obviously, some of it's out of necessity with injuries, but there were other guys that, you know, got promotions that played well down there and got their opportunities. And then, you know, midseason when Nils Amon kind of hit that rookie wall, like that's good use of your farm system, right? Get him down there, get him his confidence, a few more puck touches, and then bring him back. And ultimately through it all, like I know I questioned the goaltending decision, but I think Jeremy Colleton was an excellent hire for them. A guy that's coached in the National Hockey League, was willing to step back, take an American Hockey League job because he wanted to remain as a head coach. He'll be back in the NHL. And you look at the openings, and we saw another one uh, spring open on the weekend in New York with the Rangers. I don't know that Jeremy Colleton's going to put himself on the radar for any of these jobs this offseason, but I say if Abbotsford has another strong year next year, 12 months from now, mark my words, I think Jeremy Colleton would be back on the radar of NHL teams that are looking for up-and-coming coaches. And obviously, he's going to be better for that experience in Chicago that he could take with him to a second National Hockey League head coaching job. So I think on the ice, off the ice, a way that the two, the NHL and the AHL team, the synergy there, uh, yeah, I think it was a really good year across the board for the Abbotsford Canucks. Keep in mind, too, Jeremy Colton's only 38 years old. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, right? So he's got a lot of time ahead of him in his NHL career, and he's already done well in terms of coaching. He's already been a head coach in the NHL, right? So, yeah, you're right. I wonder with Jeremy Colton, though, and you say it's Colton's decision, but I wonder if it was his decision with the goaltending. I wonder if there is something above him that is, you know, 
basically they they want to see what they got with Spencer Martin because perhaps they're they're thinking that he might be the backup again next year. Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'd like to think that ultimately in an elimination game that the head coach at any level would would have say. Now, maybe he takes some input from others, but I think you've hired this guy to be your head coach. I'd like to think that he has the last call there, but you're right. I mean, there is this decision about who's going to be the the backup in the National Hockey League next year. And so if this was about getting Spencer Martin you know, a little more comfortable in some of those big game situations, so be it. Yeah, I want to be perfectly clear what I say. They didn't lose because of Spencer Martin. Spencer Martin and Arthur Shilovs provided them enough goaltending to win just about every time out at the American Hockey League level. It was a tough go for Spencer Martin in the NHL. We know that. Again, he was thrown into a situation that he probably wasn't prepared for. And at the outset of the season, I don't think he envisioned that he was going to be asked to be a number one guy. And I think it was an eight straight starts at one point there before they kind of got into that rotation with Colin Delia. Whatever the case, that's going to be fascinating to watch. We know Patrick Alvinas on the record says he doesn't want to spend a lot on the backup position. So I think you're looking at two of the options right there and. Maybe Spencer Martin gets a leg up just by virtue of the way he was handled in these American Hockey League playoffs. Spencer Martin showing a bit of toughness in this game as well. Took a roughing penalty in this one as well. And as I sort of go through the box, uh, looks like uh, Abbotsford got a bench minor late in the game as well. With too many men. With, yeah, they uh, pulled just a the goaltender and, yeah. and I think ran into a little bit of an issue there. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, they had 18 power plays. Actually, both teams had 18 power plays in the series. Calgary went three for 18. Vancouver went one, or Abbotsford went one for 18. I'm sure Calgary wasn't thrilled. They gave up the two shorthanded goals to Arship Baines in that second game of the series. But whatever the case, I would say both coaches probably say, you know, 18 power plays for the other team. That's a few too many, but it was feisty. And as I said, after the game out in Abbotsford on when I went to on Wednesday, you know, scrums after every whistle. I know it's playoff hockey, even the referees are trying to keep a lid on it. You know, so it was called tightly, but that's a lot of power plays, four and a half per game per team. So I would think that if you asked either head coach, they'd probably say, yeah, we needed to show a little bit more discipline along the way. But ultimately, just the one power play goal in 18 attempts, that's not going to get it done, whether it's regular season or in the playoffs. And it is in you know four tight games. Oh, what they could have done for, uh, you know, a power play goal here or there. Well, it's great to see, though, that the Abbotsford Canucks have uh, had two good seasons underneath their belt as they continue to grow that franchise. And, you know, I always thought about this back in the day, too, when the Abbotsford Heat were in town. Like, what were they thinking there? Like, a Calgary-based AHL team in the Vancouver market? Like, it just always seemed to be a head-scratcher. They got it right now, though, with the Canucks aligned with Abbotsford. You talked about poor percentages on the power play. We had a poor percentage when it came to the NHL Draft Lottery Simulator last week. We went 0 for 5 in terms of the Canucks winning the thing. We came close. We had one second. They moved up nine spots on Thursday when I spun the Draft Lottery Simulator. So, well, look, with 3% odds to do that once, that's a victory. I like, if they, like, so I, I don't think people but can... But close really... counts in horseshoes and hand grenades right now, right? Like, nobody wants that. They want Bedard. Although Fantilli might well, be... Uh, I think yeah. if the Canucks can't get Bedard, they would take second yeah. overall in a heartbeat. I just think, again, brace yourself, 3% odds, they're not great. But it is a lottery, and the ping pong balls are going to bounce around, and we'll see how it plays out later on here on Monday night. But we're about to find out how it uh, goes here with help from Tankathon. All right. So as we spin the wheel here at Tankathon.com, Connor Bedard is staying in Canada, but not on the West Coast, my friend. He's going 
to Montreal. Les habitants, the Ooh. Habs are taking him first Two overall. Years in a row. Four Two spots. Years in a row. Wow. And listen to this top three, by the way. Montreal, Detroit. The Red Wings move up seven spots where Anaheim moves down two spots. Of course, that's the furthest they can go. So the Ducks will pick third, Montreal first, Detroit second. And of course, that leaves the Vancouver Canucks at 11th. So now if that is the way that this is all going to go down. And again, this is just us having a little fun here. Mm -hmm. But it was a couple of years back. Detroit passed on a guy that played at the University of Michigan. Don't do that this time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my advice to uh, to Stevie Y. Don't let that happen twice. <laughs> yeah, that was a swing and miss for sure. But Stevie Y has been pretty good yeah. uh, throughout his career. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Okay, speaking of the NHL draft lottery, Jay Pat, we thought we'd have a little bit of fun on our Twitter account at RinkWideVan. If you're not following us, please uh, do so. We asked the people today, what should Patrick Alvin's lucky charm be for tonight's NHL draft lottery? Now, I said just drive up a dump truck full of money and see if that entices anybody. You know, try to pay off the commissioner, perhaps. Might not work for you. Others, though, are saying Trevor Linden. <laughs> Chris says, announce Elias Patterson as a special guest. Have them both walk in together. I don't know how, what is Elias Patterson a lucky charm? Perhaps Dominic says he should be wearing a Bedard jersey. Now, would, <laughs> would would that be? Would you wear Regina or would you just get the Canucks one done? All right, well, folks, think, look, we got it. We brought this in. Like, <laughs> hey, you can't be too prepared, right? Like, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, la- oh, Strong Belly, our buddy there says Michael Bublé's rub Michael Bublé's head for good luck. <laughs> okay, is Michael? I went, Bu- the, I went with the Kuzmenko yes, wig. I like uh, that. I like you know, that. It, Kuzmenko worked for them. They were able to convince. Now, this isn't convincing Conor Bedard to come play for them, but they were able to sell Kuzmenko, and he worked out okay. There was some luck involved with him all season and the 39 goals that he scored. So uh, I was going, yeah, you know, have a little fun with it, uh, go with the Kuzmenko wig. Now, I read somewhere that Patrick Alvine is going to be the Canucks representative, but they're not all going to be in the same room. Like, now, pre-COVID, they used to always have the – like, yeah. Remember the camera shot of Benning and Linden? Yeah. Uh, and I think, was it Trevor Linden that took the Pat Quinn hockey card the one time? That didn't work out for him as a lucky charm. So, you know, the Canucks have tried this in the past. Hasn't worked out uh, every year as a new year. But so I don't know where Patrick Alvin is, if he's going to be here in Vancouver, and it's just going to be you know, remote camera shots of all the managers around the National Hockey League that have ping pong balls. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, have to find out the draw taking place at the NHL Network Studios in Secaucus, New Jersey. That's where uh, things will actually shake down later on tonight. 
Okay, so let's go with my Bodog best bet here, though, which is around the NHL draft lottery. The best odds are the Anaheim Ducks at plus 325. The Canucks are at plus 2200. So there's a ton of value there if you just want to put a little sprinkle and, and some hope. Because if it hits, then you're, you're it's a double whammy for you, right? To me, though, J-Pat, I'm circling the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is due to what we saw last week when we spun the wheel. The Sharks landed in first twice out of five times that we spun it last week. And of course, I guess we did it six times in total. So they won it twice. And I'm looking at them at plus 750 odds. I think he'd look good in teal. I believe I've said that on a podcast before. I think he'd look great with Eric Carlson. That would be quite the duo there. But I like the San Jose Sharks to win the NHL draft lottery tonight at plus 750. Little sprinkle will go a long way with those kinds of odds. No, I, I think the hockey world actually would be all right if he wound up in San Jose. You know, a team that obviously had Thornton and Marlowe forever, and they sort of need that infusion, that next wave. They don't have a great prospect system. Patrick, they did okay with Patrick Marlowe as the second overall pick yeah, back in, he was okay. in his day. Yeah. And I think for Connor Bedard, kid from North End, his parents would probably like him, you know, the Bay Area, a couple hour flight away, but on the West Coast. And I think the same goes for Anaheim. I know Anaheim's got the best odds, but just in terms of, you know, giving that franchise a real boost. Like they've got Zegris, they've got McTavish, they've got an incredible pipeline of players coming on the back end. But Zegris and Bedard would be kind of fun to watch for a bunch of years. I don't know how much fun they'd be to defend if your opponents in the National Hockey League. But, you know, from Bedard's perspective, Anaheim, like not a ton of pressure, like the bright lights aren't there. You know, the weather is obviously incredible. Shorts and flip-flops and again, stay on the West Coast. Because if he does go to Montreal and we saw Montreal win the draft lottery last year, if he goes to Detroit or Chicago, you know, these original six teams, like, and even Philadelphia, like Philadelphia could use him in a big way, but man, there would be a ton of pressure. There's going to be pressure wherever, but I think Anaheim and San Jose, you know, by NHL standards, just the way that those teams are covered, not at the same level as some of the original six teams. You know, I think a guy could, how much can Conor Bedard ease into the NHL? I mean, there's going to be a tension on him, obviously, but I'm with you. I think San Jose would be a terrific, terrific landing spot. Canuck fans? may not like it because it would mean that they'd have to see and face Bedard for, uh, you know, the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, and there's no question whoever lands him like their rebuild gets a massive, massive jump start. So yeah. Wild anticipation ahead of the lottery draft or the draft lottery later on tonight. I just don't want to, I like Philadelphia in terms of being a, you know, historic team brand, whatever, just Bedard and torts. Come on, man. Don't do the kid like that. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Frank Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Poker Tips, sports odds, and free casino games. It's time to play. I talked about my Bodog best bet for tonight, how I'm liking the San Jose Sharks to win the NHL draft lottery. I didn't hit over the weekend. If you remember on Friday, I said Oilers, Golden Knights, will the game go to OT? I said yes at plus 295. There was so much value there. And I thought, you know, it's the playoffs. Edmonton was going to get a bounce back. Boy, did they ever get a bounce back. 
Whoa. Just uh, didn't need any extra time to do it. So I missed out on that one, but uh, let's start right there. Oilers, Golden Knights now evened up in the series. How about Leon Dreisaitl? 13 goals with the burger flipper. Yeah. I mean, the NHL record, Reggie Leach, 19. And Smash it. Yeah. Yeah. Like two games into the second round. So that's wild. As was the first period in Vegas. Like Edmonton outshot the Golden Knights 19 to four. Didn't see that coming. You know, and, and again, the Oilers' power play is just ridiculous, and it seems to be getting better as the series go here. So uh, hopefully Vegas has learned its lesson. But again, you try to play penalty-free hockey, then maybe you're not finishing checks. Maybe you're not as aggressive as you want to be because you're trying to stay out of the penalty box. But, you know, you've got to also be aggressive on McDavid and Dreisaitl. And yeah, but that first period was just, it was unbelievable. The shooting gallery, 19-4. to four. So, I mean, good on Edmonton. They get the split. We'll see how things shake down. The only game going on in the National Hockey League here on this Monday night. The scheduling is kind of goofy here these next couple of days because, you know, the Leafs and Panthers had the extra day and now they kind of go into hiding again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, I like this tonight because I screwed up on Friday and I screw up a lot on this podcast. So get used to it, folks. <laughs> but I screwed up on Friday because I said, oh, Edmonton on at seven o'clock. Well, the problem with the NHL media site, nhlmedia.nhl.com, is they don't. They just give you Eastern times. And I thought it was, I wasn't updated. So anyway, it was right, an early time. You're right. We talked about yeah. the fact that it should have slid into prime time. Yeah. Ultimately it did. So, so I like that tonight. Like I, so I like that Edmonton is the lone game because it allows them to move it back yeah. because it's what a five thirty Pacific time tonight to me. Like, listen, it's Connor McDavid. Like you can't have him on that late out East. People just aren't going to stay up. Right. right. So I like, I do like, fact that he's there and honestly as we say that too maybe it's best that bedard goes to montreal because i think the nhl would like him in the east but anyway let's keep going on the playoff talk here a big one last night at least if you're the florida panthers a 3-2 win in overtime sam reinhardt with the winner the local boy here three buzz now florida is up on toronto so jay pat i ask you this does the Leafs getting swept, or perhaps if they do get swept, does that erase all the joy of winning the first playoff series in 19 years and just go right back to them being the butt of the joke? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it makes people look ridiculously foolish for the way that they over-celebrated <laughs> one round. <laughs> one round. Like, it's looking like the Seattle Kraken are going to win more rounds this year than the Toronto Maple Leafs have in two decades, and yet you look at the celebration. Man, like, what a difference a week makes. Like, I pointed out on Twitter, like last Sunday, Florida was a minute away from being eliminated by Boston and they scored late and then they won in overtime. And here they are fast forward up three zip on the, on the Leafs. So lopping made of the overtime winner. That was brutal defense by the Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, the, what a tough sequence for Luke Shen, uh, sliding back and colliding with Sam Sonoff, injuring him, knocking him out of the game. Shen takes a penalty. Panthers scored on the power play. You know, as much as we like Luke Shen, that was not his finest moment, obviously. And what is it about these North Van guys in overtime? Morgan yeah. Riley, Kerfoot, and yeah. last night, Sam Reinhardt. So North Van representing in these playoffs. Whoa, 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 West Van would like, is on line one right now. They would like to speak North with you. North Shore okay. represent. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Now, speaking of the Kraken there, big win over the Stars. They now lead the series 2-1. And as the Kraken do, they spread the scoring around seven different goal scorers in last night's win. And this quick strike, like I'm not sure that there's a team in these playoffs that kind of gets on these mini runs within games. They did it in game one against Dallas. They did it last night as well. Like you look away from the screen and all of a sudden they scored two more goals. 
Oh, Miro Heiskanen left that game after taking a puck in the face. I was oh. tough. They said that he wanted to get back, but because of the score, they just thought it was prudent to, to keep him out. But again, Seattle's doing this without Jared McCann, who's back skating with them. There's a chance he plays in game four. Like, what, are the, what do they look like when they insert a 40-goal score into their lineup? They scored seven last night, Chase Jake Ottinger. So, uh, yeah, Seattle in great shape. And this has been a constant theme here since the start of the playoffs, but uh, might be prudent for Jason Robertson to show up now. I know a lot of talk about the Leafs' top guys that haven't really showed up in this series, but two goals for a 46-goal score to this point in the playoffs. Jamie Benn had a nice regular season. He's been awfully quiet. Max Domi, Max Domi scored 18 goals with the Chicago Blackhawks. He has three as a member of the Dallas Stars. So, you know, it's a different role, obviously, after the trade, but I'm not sure that he's been the impact guy that they were hoping as well. Kind of feels like now or never for the Dallas Stars' best players. I wouldn't like their chances if they go down three games to one in that series. 16 different goal scorers yeah. on the Seattle Kraken. Their, their leading goal scorer is not even a point a game at Yanni Gord. Nine points yeah. in 10 games played. They really spread it. What a story they are, the, the Seattle Kraken. I'm sure Canuck fans are probably puking in their mouth right now. But, uh, hey, second-year team doing some damage and looking good in that series. And so are the Devils now that they've got themselves back into this one. A 8-4 victory, making it 2-1 now in the series uh, with the Canes. How about this, though? The Canes scored three shorthanded goals in the game and lost. It's just <laughs> these baffling stats that we're getting in the 2023 playoffs. Yeah, Luke Hughes made his playoff debut yeah. and looked pretty good. Lindy Ruff had high, high praise for him. And again, this is, you know, everything kind of tracks back to the Canucks, but the Devils are light years ahead of the Canucks, just in their overall competitive cycle and where they are and then they get to insert luke hughes I know. you know into the playoffs there's and, more but, coming too and right simon nemich is there as well like you know the second oh. overall pick from last year's draft so that's the danger is the canucks are trying to make these incremental improvements and in some of these teams that you know in theory they should be battling with in the next couple of years they've got pieces that they get to plug in to make them that much better so yeah i Devils arrive in the series and, you know, home teams won the first three games there. So a uh, bit of a, well, not a bit, a complete shift from the first series against the New York Rangers. But now I think the Devils can exhale a little, just feel better about themselves. Their best players are into it. And, you know, let's see where it goes from there. I mean, that one has the potential, I think, to be a, a long series. And Devils already came through a game seven. You know, I think that's the danger is that, you know, if the Panthers do manage to sweep the Toronto Maple Leafs get some rest. I mean, rest can be pretty valuable at this time of the year. And if you're the Devils and you had to go the distance again, you know, you'll take your chances because it beats the alternative of being punted from the playoffs entirely. But yeah, I mean, to fall behind 2-0 in a series, obviously you make life difficult on yourself, but they look pretty good on Sunday, the early start, the afternoon game. We'll see if they can pick up where they left off in game number four. I think a Quinn Hughes in that uh, Pablo Escobar meme from Narcos mm. there where he's yeah. sitting on the by himself. I think of that when uh, he sees his brothers doing so much with the Devils right now. All right. So yeah, NHL Draft Lottery Simulator, the big news tonight. So we'll see where the Canucks can land. See if they can win themselves a lottery. Of course, the odds are not great. And uh, we sort of documented that uh, throughout the week, but you never know. Have faith, Canuck fans. And uh, if they win it, you know you'll be hearing from us tomorrow. And if they don't win it, you'll also be hearing us from us tomorrow. <laughs> this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Watt. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Good on you, sir.